This podcast was prepared by Ashley and Martell in their personal capacity. The opinions expressed in this show are the host's own and do not reflect the views of any of their personal affiliations. In 1958, I met Martin Luther King Jr. in the second path to get involved. I got in trouble, good trouble, necessary this young man, my friend, my brother, Joe Spurrier, we both gave blood, a little blood, at the Greyhound bus station in Montgomery. Blood to redeem the soul of America, to change our country, to make it better. So when someone said to me, John Lewis, nothing have changed. I feel like saying, come and walk in my shoes. I will show you change. You will not see the signs that we saw. Those signs are gone. And they will not return. The only place that you will see those signs today will be in a book, in a museum, on a video. Our country is a better country, but there's still Basic human needs that must be met. And I feel the U.S. record to go out there and find a way to get in the way. Go out there and find a way to get in trouble, good trouble, necessary trouble, to make our country and the world community better. Man, rest in peace. Rest in peace to great John Lewis. Yeah. Uh, Congressman from Georgia. He served 30 years, 29 years, basically our whole lives. Um, You know, uh, I I tell you that in between each of our episodes, there's always so much that happens. Um, And that one, you know, that headline, you know, I, I didn't when it when he you know when the news came out and i looked and i was like dang i didn't realize uh that was just this past november when they had put out that his um cancer had came back right. and um you know fuck cancer you know that's always a thing but what i what i thought about um john lewis was that man literally fought till his last breath, like literally. Um, right. And uh, I think I posted on our Facebook page too, like he is one of the giants whose shoulders that we stand on, you know, without a John Lewis, like what he said in, in that speech. Um, Cause sometimes it's hard to see how the progress that has been made, um, even though we still have a lot more to make and push for and fight for, but um, we gotta make good trouble. We, that's just, there's no other, no other um, words that I can say, but uh, thank you. And just, you know, what a life. Yeah, and I think that's the thing for me is, um, 
you look at like the history of somebody that has made change, you know, you're talking about somebody that was uh, one of the youngest freedom writers and like was active in sit-ins. Um, he was the youngest you know, speaker at the March on Washington, right? Definitely, right. Yeah. And, um, and then also being a leader of SNCC, which is still spoken about. So you go from, from that to, you know, continuing on the front line and then going to Congress, you know? So it's like when you think about people talking about, well, what's next? Or what can somebody do after that? Or what would be the step after, you know, you begin to make that trouble? Like going to make laws, you know, going to, to create change and create laws. And that's what he did, you know? And a lot of times we, people always talk about, well, what comes next after a demonstration? Or what comes next after this? Or what are other things we can do? If you look at John Lewis, that's somebody, you know, who, who has shown you a life legacy of, you know, being on the side of fighting, you know, and, and, and trying to create equality and rights for us. Um, so, you know, I think about him. I think about Bobby Seale. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, Bobby Seale, but also Bobby Rush. I was thinking about the congressman who was also a Black Panther and ended up as a congressman, too. Um, so you look at people like this that had like a history of going in the 60s and 70s and different movements and then being like all right now we got to take it or I have to take it to DC I have to take it here to represent this area Mm -hmm. to try to make changes at the highest level Mm -hmm. Um, you know so when we were just talking about people not having a a, a distrust for government or people not trusting government and we'll talk about that more in this episode Uh, but then you have to look at people that they really have sacrificed their life to be in those spaces in a government that people don't trust really giving it all for us you yeah. know for our people and I feel like that's something that is for isn't discussed or talked about a lot of times mm-hmm. um but but John Lewis's wife is, is definitely something that we can look at um and like you said give thanks um I was I was gifted with all three parts of March um, which is like a, a comic book as series about some of the marches and, and Selma. And I was gifted this. Um, and it's like, I'm so grateful that I have this now, you know, and that I've had this piece. Um, and shout out to my friend Matt that, that thought about me enough to, to gift me with something so awesome. Um, but I'm appreciative to have that, to have that piece um, and be able to go back at any time. Um, but it's it's been touching to see uh, so many people um, that you know and that you look up to pay their respects. Um, you see the procession through DC. And, yep. You know, it's it was so touching. And they to, they to took see them across that. the Selma Bridge too, right? right. That I mean, was powerful. It, it, yeah, I mean, I this has been like the busiest two weeks of my life since this pandemic has hit. So I, you know, unfortunately couldn't just watch everything um, as it was happening, but there wasn't a piece that I read about John Lewis that didn't, you know, like encourage me, you know, despite mm-hmm. everything that we're seeing right now. Right. Um, I, I tell myself like, if they can push through what they push through, you know, just like in that video, like we're not out here seeing these signs of white only. Could you imagine what that would be like if we, when we walked outside our doors, we saw shit like that? Like, right. 
I don't even, I don't even know. And so it's like, because of him, because of leaders like him and during their time, they sacrificed so much so that we could literally be doing what we're doing right now. Nah, for real though. Like literally what we're doing right now. You know, he talks about shedding blood, um, you know, and he's somebody that really did that. He had his skull fractured. Yes. On Bloody Sunday, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a lot of people see that footage and don't realize that that person is being attacked by that state trooper, is John state Lewis. Trooper. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. and and that speaks to to from somebody that you see being attacked by a state police trooper to having her body draped with the flag and being carried by the branches of the military and and having ceremonies in different cities and states. Um, and having them laid out, you know, in the in the building, the Capitol building, or you know, wherever they, it's 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 amazing to see somebody go from that, you know, from from being just a clip of some violence in the '60s to now in 2020, you know, there's there's uh, news specials or there's special announcements about the procession you know and the funeral is being televised and you know it speaks to a to a life that that uh really really meant something not saying that people's lives don't mean something but john lewis's life meant a lot to a lot of different generations Mm -hmm. you know um and i'm i'm grateful to have known about him prior to his passing um and to have been able to to hear some speeches to read about, I'm definitely grateful. Um, but His yeah, um, is, you know, one that uh, I need some things named after John Lewis. I know that much. Um, mm-hmm. I read something that said, uh, "What if every single like learning institution, especially like public learning institutions?" you know, schools, mm-hmm. high schools that are named after Confederate um, soldiers. Yeah. They should be named after, they should change their names to John Lewis. I believe there is one school doing it, but. Yeah, uh, um, Robert E. Lee. Yeah. In, I think it's in Virginia, mm-hmm. but they're going to be John Lewis uh, school now instead of Robert E. Lee. So I, that's one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's get more. Let's, yeah. let's keep that. Let's keep that going. You know. Yeah, um, it's um and uh, I'm, the name is slipping me. There was another um civil rights activist who was the pastor that passed away the same day as him. Uh, uh C T Vivian. C T Vivian. Yep. Mm-hmm. So also want to, you know. And speak his name and. Yes. And give him some recognition as well. Because Um, it it was never about one person. And uh, I hope that, I hope that we can, you know, I hope that we can use what they've done in um, our our generation and generations to come after us, um, use that as like, you know, um, a foundation, you know, the the things that we are fighting for today, it's not new, unfortunately, you know, we have to do it a different way, but we can look back on people 
like them and uh, learn so much and just bring some things back into perspective. Um, so, so yeah, as far as, you know, we starting off on such a somber note, but in that, you know, there's some power in that, you know, he, he lived a life that. Yeah, that was a, it was a powerful, impactful life. Um, when you talk about perspective, um, during, during the ceremony that they had, um, I guess it's in the Capitol building, um, the announcer uh, was saying, you know, that John Lewis was 80 when he passed, and she made mention that Emmett Till will be 79. Um, and when she said that, like, they're showing James Claiborne on the screen, and I'm just thinking about, you know, like, these men are the same age of Emmett Till, you know, like, Emmett Till will be their peers. So you think about how long it's been since Emmett Till was murdered and how long we've talked about that to these gentlemen being a year older than him or the same age. It really put a lot of perspective on me. You know, it, it really, sometimes people, you know, think about things are ancient and- um, Yes, yeah. I just shared um, this Instagram page called Black Hour Story, um, posted about, June 5th through the 26th, 1966, um, there was a march against fear and voter suppression in Mississippi. Um, mm -hmm. That is not long ago. My mother was born in 1962. Like, that's crazy. You know, in, in this particular video from the Associated Press, like they put it in color just so people know, like, this ain't that old. Like, this is color mm -hmm. video. Um, that's crazy. So yeah, you know, as as we, you know, as time goes on, you know, when we lose people like John Lewis, what it also does for me is it it kind of puts into the perspective of how we are kind of coming into these positions of like we are the you know, we're not the, we're the young people to like the John Lewis's and to like our parents, but we are actually like, we're the adults now that have yes. to start like, not start cause we've been doing it, but we're, we're at that age where when we were kids, people, you know, we looked at people that are, that were our age as like, all right, y'all. Y'all are the adults. Like, what's what? What we doing? Like, mm -hmm. how are right. we? How are we getting through this? And um, it's 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 really um, it's just quite a time right now. Yeah, so, it's definitely a time. But yeah, we yeah. had to we had to to open up with giving respects to 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 uh, John Lewis. Yeah, episode um, 15. They're great freedom fighters, congressmen. Mm -hmm. um, but welcome to Black Political Millennials, episode 15. I'm your, uh, your co-host, Martel, a.k.a. Pierre DeFecto. And your girl, Ash. I don't got no fancy names. Just Ash. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> but uh, how are you? How has the past couple weeks been? It's been hectic. We've been trying to get this show for 
the past week and it's been hard with our lives so what you got what's up with you Uh, i'm i'm just trying to just make sure that i maintain a a good work-life balance to to keep myself good um i got some plants that i started collecting and plants make me happy and uh i just been trying to get active it's been like a run or a walk in um, once or twice a week, just trying to get some workouts in and reading. Um, so I got gifted a lot of books for my birthday. Uh, so so I definitely have a nice lineup of uh, some reading that will last me uh, through the early fall. That's um, nice. So yeah, so I'm definitely excited about that. Um, I'm rereading while we can't wait back. Dr. Martin Luther King right now. And then after that, I'm going to get into Seize the Time by uh, Bobby Seale. Mm. And um, after that, I'm trying to decide, but I think I'm going to uh, read Freedom is a Constant Struggle by Angela Davis. So those are going to be the next ones. Um, and then I got the anti-racist book by Abraham Kennedy that I want to get into, mm. and a new Jim Crow um, by, oh. uh, by Michelle Alexander. So there's definitely some been gifted with some good books. Shout out to everybody to get to me some books off my book list. Yeah. Books for my birthday. Uh, met appreciative of y'all. So that's that's me in a nutshell. Um, and trying to make like bomb creations in the kitchen when I can. So that's yeah, well, that's it. I'll, I'll, shout out to men who cook. No doubt. Shout out to y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Cause uh, I I love my cooking husband. He is the bomb. <laughs> Um, so me, I have, so I told last episode, I got a new job and I now will officially share, I am the new program manager for Alliance for Police Accountability. Um, I started two weeks ago and, um, it has been quite a wild two weeks, um, but a good in a good way, you know. Um, for those who listen to this episode and uh, may not be familiar with the organization, um, we're based out of Pittsburgh. Um, Alliance for Police Accountability is a nonprofit organization. Well, kind we're not technically a nonprofit, but we're a nonprofit orga- organization, um, and we work to. To the improvement of better police and community relations. And in that, within that space, there are so many different um, parts of that because our uh, criminal justice system is so, uh, it's a, a lot of webs. And yeah. so we, we do a lot of different um, work. It's an organization on the streets, you know, um, you are going to see our president and CEO, Brandy Fisher, you know, out. She's out at protests, you know, convening tables around these conversations with defunding the police. Um, and so I'm just really helping right now. The organization is quickly growing, especially with the current space that we're in right now. And um, I am on board to literally help uh with 
programming and operations of the organization. So, you know, I am excited to be able to work with and for a Black woman. It is the most rejuvenating feeling to have that type of um, workspace. Um, it is hard because we're in a virtual, you know, space because we can't go into an office and things like that right now. But um, we are making it work with our Zoom meetings and just, um, you know, staying connected. My first, <laughs> I think the first, my first week, there were some issues with um, all the baby. There were some issues we, with our protests here and, you know, protesters and activists being arrested in good old Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. um, dropped charges of the white protesters, but wow. charges on the black protesters and even sent some of those charges to the feds. So um, we, you know, there was a oh, lot yeah. of um, communication and talks and, you know, that spur of the moment work, you know, those are things that you don't, you can't plan for. It just happens. And so mm -hmm. um, we, Oh, um, we, uh, we, we got a lot on our plate, but I'm excited. I think we have a great team. There's, there's a lot of movement. So I'm just really, really honored and blessed, uh, to be for that to just have been chosen for me and placed yeah. on my plate. And I am, you know, I'm here for us and I literally have a job where I can do for us and um, I'm excited so that has been my life for the past two weeks because it's been crazy um, and uh, I'm trying to think what else anything else has happened mm, not that I can think of hey, I mean that's enough you know so starting a new job is a lot especially in the middle of a, a pandemic Mm -hmm. you know what a baby so you know what i'm saying salute you know what i'm saying for you making that transition super smoothly you Man. know so that's enough you know so yeah. and i started therapy that was hey, it congratulations. I therapy listen that's what's up yeah that's what's up. so i am i am in i'm thankful and dante yeah. gave me this bracelet with bellamy's name on it <laughs> Is that for Bellamy? Oh, I thought it was for me. It's for my baby. <laughs> but it's super cute. That's what's Super up. cute. <laughs> um, so yeah, but here we are on episode 15. Y'all, there's so much going on. We're going to try yeah. and keep this um, at an hour. We already so wasted about 20 so much minutes. Happening. Not wasted, but used up 20 minutes. So we're going to see. Hey, we're <laughs> we just going to just roll through it. Like, we're in an interruption or something. You know, right. there's a lot happening, a lot going on. But uh, as we are approximately today, 13 weeks from the general election. Like, that doesn't sound like a lot of time. Yo, 13 <laughs> weeks, like, today. <laughs> Like, 13 weeks from today is a general election. That's crazy. Um, you know, so that's kind of where we're going to start at. Um, some of y'all's president tried to postpone an election last week, uh, which was some whole real-life foolishness. 
And it goes inside what, what some people were saying was that that was the ultimate plan of this man was to, to get the uh, election postponed, ultimately get it canceled so he could somehow try to lose his way and it's more time in the office and avoid losing. He is crazy. Um, and he doesn't even have the authority to do that? He doesn't. It has to be approved by Congress. Uh, the president does not have direct power to do that. And um, I don't even think his own party was on board with that. Nah, they weren't. You know, you know, some people took that whole he was joking route. That's the that's the GOP defense for some foolishness said by this guy. Oh, he was just joking. I've never seen President of the United States joke as much as this guy's been joking. Like, I don't I don't know. That's wild to me. Like how how do you just why you can joke about all of this stuff? Like Yeah. <laughs> So I'm glad that I got nipped in the bud ASAP. Um, that was news for a couple of days. Uh, but there are still some people that are talking about that, you know? Some people yeah, because... Like he tried to do that. I, just, I don't even... I, I'm so sick of that, man. I just can't even, like... I just can't. Between that, uh, his narrative with um, our ballots, like... Yeah. So then how about that today? Where now he approves he he says that Florida mail in ballots are okay, but everybody else, y'all shit ain't working. Y'all shit y'all shit ain't working. I only I only approve Florida mail in ballots. And is he registered <laughs> to vote in Florida? He probably is. I know him and his cronies are that's where Mar Lago is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like so I'm, I'm certain, you know, there's a lot of people that are registered down there to uh, to vote. So that's probably part of the reason, right? Because now people that aren't in Florida can get their absentee ballot elsewhere so they can cast their vote for probably this jerk up. Um, but everywhere else, still no good. Um, I caught an interview from his, his senior advisor for his campaign talking about voter fraud. And there, the number of voter fraud does not even warrant the concern or fear that they had. And there is no voter this, fraud. There isn't. But get this, though. The, the largest reported voter fraud was amongst Republicans in a Republican race in North Carolina. So it's like, here you are. You're talking about all this voter fraud. But in reality, your party are the ones that was doing the voter fraud. Um, so that's, you know, something that a lot of people ain't going to talk about. But um, the, the the very few small amounts of, of uh, mail-in ballot voter fraud does not warrant any kind of uh, questioning of the mail-in ballot process. Uh, I think the larger issue is the fact that Trump's been trying to undermine the United States Postal Service. Yes, which is crazy to me. Like, yeah. why do we have to be... So for our primary election in Pennsylvania, you know, Dante and I, we did mail-in ballots and it was the smoothest process for us. I mean, it wasn't smooth for the state and like rolling it out and like people actually getting their ballots, mm -hmm. but that's a whole other issue. And actually, you know, our county did pretty darn good with it. Um, right. It was the other side of the state that didn't. But um, mm -hmm. we, we, we filled ours out, we dropped it in the mail, and we got an email notification the next day. Mm -hmm. 
like male locally doesn't take long. I'll never forget when we were getting married and I w- we were sending out our invitations and there were literally people that got their mail the day I dropped it in the mailbox. Mm. Like I dropped it in early that morning, that evening, it was, I dropped it downtown. So people that were close, it was wild. So I was just like, cool. So when I did the mail-in ballot, I got an email and I was able to go online and check that my ballot was received. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the whole conversation of like, well, we don't know uh, what they do whenever they um, get the ballots and the board of elections. And I'm just like, everybody at the board of elections that works there isn't a Republican trying to like, no one is doing that. It's their job. They get paid. They, they scan, pop something in the machine and keep it moving. Mm -hmm. Like in, in our board of elections, one of the women that works there lives in Wilkinsburg. And I know that because when I was running for office, three years ago, I guess, um, we were talking and she was like, oh, you live in Wilkinsburg because she was helping me figure some stuff out. And she was like, I do too. And we started talking and she told me which, uh, uh, what's it called? Voting place that she like volunteers at and stuff. You know, like regular people work at the board of elections. Like, like, it's just not that like, it's just not like that. Like, we got to yeah. stop with these, like, conspiracy. Like, I'm sick of conspiracy theories. I am sick of it. Like, I get it. And we should question things. But sometimes, I just feel like people just be extra. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think people are over, I think people be overly curious or, or cautious about the wrong thing sometimes. Um and I, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people question the wrong stuff. Um, my concern isn't the mail-in ballot, but honestly, my concern is the entire process itself. Or my concern is the fact that um, economic disparities keep candidates of color from succeeding in primary elections. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of things, but I'm not worried about somebody tampering with my ballot before it gets downtown that's not a concern of mine Um, right and I saw a comment today I think it was a conversation in regarding PA I think it was black vote black voters matter maybe but someone commented you know don't drop your ballot through the don't use the post office go directly to the ballot box and I'm like for us that's downtown there ain't nowhere to park. Like, so I got to pay $15 to go park somewhere, go to the board of elections to drop my ballot off. And then that don't make sense. I mean, that's a lot of work. And what about people that aren't able physically to get downtown to drop their ballots off? And don't you have to drop your ballot off yourself? Like you can't drop off other people's ballots. You know what I'm saying? And you know that's going to be an issue in itself, right? Uh-huh. Um, so I think people have to be considerate about that. It's not everybody, everybody's not able to get to, to their election office to drop their ballot off, you know? Um, and vote by home is the best, the best means to vote for some people, you know? 
Um, we don't even talk about people that have anxiety around traveling out in the pandemic or just traveling period or going to uh, to to election to their to their polling place for an election. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, there's a lot of things that people aren't thinking about or considering when you know they're trying to to dispute things like this, like the whole mail-in ballot process. Um, yeah, so I'm glad in our state that there's been a lot of support at the top from state leadership about ensuring that every Pennsylvanian can apply and get a, a, a mail-in ballot if they want to. Um, so I'm glad. I know there's some other states that are dealing with matters of voter suppression at the highest level. It's, uh, it's sad. It's, it's crazy. I have a cousin now. Um, I, I, I shared this in a group, but um, I have some family that lives in Kansas and um, they went to, to vote today and their voter card didn't have the location where they're supposed to vote at. So they get there and they're like, yeah, um, you're not supposed to vote here. And they're like, what's well, what the card says? And they're like, oh yeah, a lot of people have that issue. So what's the power, how, that's a problem. How, why wasn't more people given updated cards with new locations or a phone call sent out? or some kind of mailer to let people know that they're supposed to go elsewhere. So once again, like, what if somebody got a ride there? What if somebody got an Uber there? What if somebody walked there? How are they gonna get to another location? You know, um, so there's there's so many different kinds of suppression tactics. Like, to be honest, there's more voter suppression than voter fraud. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just yep. put that out there. Yep. You know, there there's so much more suppression and fraud happening. And I feel like candidates should focus on the suppression and not the fraud. You know, like um, Abrams I, in Georgia. Yeah, exactly, exactly. She's using her platform and her time to talk about voter suppression. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but yeah, like anytime there's voter suppression, we gonna call it out. But people gotta call it out and identify that because how many people are dealing with that and are not gonna say anything? You know, nor do they know. That's also, mm-hmm. I think, a part of why we have so much. There's so much lack of trust in this process because the people that have been in these positions to um set these guidelines and you know create these processes and for us to vote it's like if if our votes didn't matter they wouldn't be suppressing them y'all and that's That's just that's so real like we all have these folks like my vote don't matter the hell it don't like they 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 don't want us to vote they are upset about mail-in voting because more people can participate um oh man i read the comments on stuff so there was a there was an article i had reposted because the headline was like pennsylvania's footing the bill for all mail-in ballots um postage and i'm like that's not news. The headline didn't need to read it like that. Right. And they paid for it in the primary. So why y'all just now acting like this is new? Mm-hmm. Talk about that money should be used for the, it's for the coronavirus. Well, we need this mail-in ballot because of the coronavirus. How about that? Man, if y'all want to talk about money for the coronavirus, how many big names, Fortune 500 companies was getting that PPP money? Man. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there was okay. a small businesses wasn't getting that. There was big businesses that was getting that PPP money. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. You know what I'm saying? Like if you want to talk about footing bills, that's some bills that shouldn't have been footed. Mm-hmm. 
So people always want to talk about a little bit of money being spent here instead of big amounts of money that's being spent somewhere else. Yeah. So that's the discussion I have now about money that's missing or money ain't going to the right place. So if anybody talking to me about that, we ain't going to be talking about money right now. Yeah. You know, because I know small businesses in our area that yep. were denied for PPP. Yeah. We know some. You know what I'm saying? Like, so to know that these people that have grinded hard for these businesses for years couldn't get this support. And there's people, there's car dealerships that got mad different locations, or you got uh, the franchise locations, like franchise businesses getting this money. Like, mm-hmm. come on now. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on now. Let's be real. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't even want to hear about that, man. But also, the reason why they're talking about the posters now is because the primary didn't concern them. You know what I'm saying? Like, they weren't worried about. Uh, Democratic primary. Whoever won is whoever's won, but now it's the general. Now, okay, now we got to fight about whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you're going to see a lot of people say some wild shit over the next 13 weeks to try to keep people from voting, to try to keep people from, from participating, people to get in the mail-in ballots, everything. You know, there's going to be a lot of wild stuff. You know what I'm saying? And people are going to try, man, because November is it, man. Like, this is it. You know what I'm saying? Michael Jackson say this is it. Like, yo, remember this is it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's how I'm seeing it. That's that's really what it is, man. So between now and then, like, we gonna go hard, but people gotta go hard, man, because stakes is too high. People always said the stakes is too too high to stay home. Like the stakes is too high for you to stay home and not vote. Like that application, we'll post the application in our group, we'll post the links for you whatever man but people gotta vote yeah we gotta vote y'all i just Mm -hmm. i just uh, i don't even want to think about it but we just gotta vote and we gotta get trump out of office because like you said i think you said this on the last episode this ain't about the lesser of two evils this ain't it this ain't that this ain't that election Yo. If we didn't learn in 2016, this ain't it. Man, he literally man. is no longer doing his job. We can lead into this next, you know, point because he is literally not doing his job. Yo, he's not doing his job. He doesn't know. Like, the funniest image, man, that I ever saw that I shared on my Instagram is a picture of this guy at a MacBook computer and a Google shows, what does the president do, Right. And I'm going to reshare that, actually, too. You can post that up on the uh, BPM page. But what does the what does this guy do? He doesn't know what he does. And it's time and time again when people come and try to, like, hold his hand and wipe his nose and wipe his ass and, 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 and try to make it like it's a joke or whatever. But this guy does not know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do. He doesn't know what he's allowed to do. He has no idea. You know, like, he's really just been in the office just, like, fiddling around with shit and fucking everything up. You know what I'm saying? He's almost like a kid that you give your phone to for a few minutes or a kid you put in the driver's seat and then they touch everything and then you just be like, yo, how did you even do this? Like, how did you get the cruise control set and the car's not even moving? Like, just some shit that you didn't even know your car could do that fucks it up. That's what he's doing. Like, and that's that's the level he's at. And um, this is going to be the last part of the, uh, this episode that we're going to talk about this clown. But um, 
he did an interview on Sunday, mm-hmm. right? I believe it was I think on it was Sunday. Monday. It was Monday on yeah, HBO. Was um, this with Axios? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that on Monday? Yeah. Yo, so Monday night, yep. So um he's asked about the number of deaths in our yeah. country. And he we're said, over uh, hundred and fifty five thousand. Over one hundred and fifty five thousand Americans have died. The uh, Jonathan Swan, he says, I've gone to your rallies. I've talked to your people. They love you. They listen to you. They listen to every word you say. They hang on your every word. And so when they hear you say everything's under control, don't worry about wearing masks. I mean, these are people. Many of them are older people. Well, what's your Mm -hmm. definition of control? Trump replied. I think it's under control. And then he says, how? A thousand Americans are dying a day. He says, they're dying. That's true. And you, it, it is what it is. What? It is what it is. But that doesn't mean we aren't doing everything we can. It's under control as much as you can control it. Like he says anything that he thinks sounds good. Yo, then he said, give us some credit for trying. And then did you see the, the, the uh, bar graphs that he brought and tried to show this guy? Like, he brought some, like, real life, like, I got this off of Microsoft Excel uh, bar graphs that he just printed out and tried to give them to the guy. And the guy's like, you're, you're talking about death by cases or whatever. And he's talking about death by population. And then there's a point where he just looks away at somebody else. And he's like, you can't do that. And he's like, what do you mean I can't do that? It was, it's, it's, it's just so shameful that this is the person that is, I don't even know if we can call the person the leader of the free world anymore. We're not even allowed to to consider this country the the, the free world anymore, Mm-mm. or the president the leader of the free world. Mm-mm. But you're the president of these United States, yo, and you don't even know how to read this little bit of data information on this virus that you've caused to, to spread. Um, and they say it is what it is. It, it's really it's it's infuriating, and it's also painful. Um, you know, somebody that knows somebody that died to this virus, for the president to just say it is what it is, like, it's not just is what it is. Like, there are going to be 200,000 families that are going to be missing a loved one this holiday season. Yep. You know what I'm saying? That's not just is what it is. You know what I'm saying? How many people, like, this holiday I've been saying this since April, but this holiday season is going to be rough on a lot of people. And it's going to be rough on people because of the coronavirus. And it's also going to be rough on people because a lot of people have lost their jobs. And people are about to lose their homes. So our Christmas look last year for a lot of people is not going to look this way for a lot of people. And that's going to drive a lot of depression. And I hate to say a lot of suicide. You know, so we have to really be thinking about our people later this year. Because it's going to be a a rough December. It's going to be into the new year. It's going to be really rough. It Um, is. Uh, to that point, I think it's just really important that we stress, like, y'all, wear a mask. Like, we ain't done on that point, but wear a mask. Put a mask yeah. on, y'all. We need to still be social distancing. We need to still, you know, be cautious, you know. I think these conversations that are happening within, you know, different, like, friend groups about, like, you know, 
as we get closer to the weather changing and the flu season coming, like we will either be navigating in pods and being with certain people because you know, like, all right, well, y'all aren't hanging out and being around everywhere, you know, like it's just, it's just going to be so different and we have to like, it sucks. Nobody wants to do this. I posted on our Facebook page about, um, influenza back in 1918 and 1919 and how, you know, people were, uh, anti against wearing a mask mm -hmm. and, um, it, the science, I mean, it is a barrier just like how, you know, we have HIV and you must wear a condom to prevent, you know, as you know, that's the, what is it? A condom is 99% effective. You know, like that's the mask. It's the barrier that we need to follow. It's a virus. Like, come on people. Um, you know, and whether or not, however this started, it don't matter. It's here. People are right. dying. And um, when we talk about these numbers, you know, 1% of the population in the United States is a lot of people. This country, this economy cannot survive everyone catching COVID. It, we will either the I forget what his title is but the doctor out of Cal the state of California I think he's like a Dr. Levine here in PA um he basically told people y'all need to put a mask on and then at the end of it he said because if you don't it's gonna be ashes ashes we all fall down and that's real mm -hmm. like that's that is just as real as it gets so if we don't want to listen to medical professionals like mm -hmm. Yo, we just we want. I don't know. It's it's it's. I hate the fact that people are just trying to practice safety has become political. You know, I hate that it's become a a, a partisan thing to encourage mask wearing. Yeah. You know, I never thought that it would get to the point that you have people refuting wearing masks or the science behind it because of the political party that they're a part of. And that shit is dangerous and it's yep. dumb, you know? Yep. Um, so we can use that line to segue to our next topic that we want to briefly touch on. Yeah. And somebody from that party has been denying um, COVID being real or shooting mask wearing. Um, one of those people or persons has passed away. Uh, we're talking about Herman Cain. Mm -hmm. um, Former... Um presidential candidate presidential candidate was he's that obama's last run he was a um, howard grad a morehouse he was a, a morehouse, morehouse okay um he ran obama's when obama ran the last time was that when we met herman yeah um i forgot what i was watching but they were talking about um herman kane and his passing and how you could tell that they were, they weaponized him as a black man, you know, like the Republican party. And like, even as he was dying, there were like tweets and stuff coming out, like from his campaign that it's like, this man is dying. Why are you all talking about this? Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just real. Like he caught that at a Trump rally. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. The irony. The yeah. irony behind that. Yeah. It, I mean, this virus don't know nothing but I'm a virus. Mm-hmm. Don't care who you are. Um, yeah. 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 So, I mean, rest in peace to that man. Um, but that's a, a definitely a lesson mm-hmm. to wear your damn mask. Mm-hmm. Because the irony of you denying something and that thing being the thing that takes you up out this out this dimension ain't worth it. Man, that's an ironic shit right there, man. Yeah. Um, so we had to we had to go on on record as at least acknowledging the man's life. Um, he's also a business owner in uh Father's Pizzas and, and Burger Kings. Um, but yeah. Morehouse brother, uh, also say that to do, but yeah, you know, you still have to say, Where your mask go? You know what I'm saying? Because I don't even know if the president even mentioned her anything. I don't, I, I've missed that. I don't know if people even say anything. Like, this is your, you, you, you call this is your political party comrade, you know. You, I saw a quote from his campaign, which they basically were like, you know. Um, we're disgusted that the Democratic Party wants to, you know, play politics with someone's life. And I was just like, uh, no, we just want to wow. discuss how he was supporting you, actually. Yeah. And got sick. And his body couldn't fight this virus that literally is attacking um, people's respiratory system. And I also want to note too, cause you know, there's also people like, well, I'm young, I'll, I'll survive it. There's some young people that they do catch this, but afterwards they, they, they can't breathe the same. They're winded just walking up steps. And that was never an issue before they got it. Like this virus, it's kind of like blood clots. You know when blood clots get in your lungs? It's yeah. like that. And that's, it's just dangerous. And I, I don't want to catch this. Like, I don't, I don't care if I, I can even, I don't want to catch this virus if I can avoid that. And so, and it just, it gets closer and closer. There's so many people that you see that have had it. And um, I've had a few friends have it, you know, fortunately they were fine, but still like, right. so I just feel strongly about that. And I just want us to all like, what Beyonce got a song, you know, I got to mention Beyonce whenever I can, but she got a song called Bigger and like this shit is bigger than us. It is bigger than us as an individual person. Right. So just, you know, be good people, man. Mask up. Wash your hands. Wash your hands, Joy. Wash your hands. Yeah. Well, what else? They be they be trying us though. This next topic, I'm telling you, y'all better leave y'all better leave 44 in the fam alone. That's what I know. So, I um, I, I wanted to to check out the podcast that uh, Rock and Michelle Obama has. It's Michelle's it's, podcast. It's who's? It's Michelle's podcast. Barack was just her first. She's on it. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So it's the Michelle on. Obama podcast. She. You know, you know, all the black women were like, yes, my 
Michelle's got a podcast. I still haven't had a chance to listen to the whole episode, but yeah, that's her podcast, but she had Barack as her first guest. Um, she's going to have a lot of her like inner circle, basically, that she's going to talk to some girlfriends, her former, I think she's going to, I think her chief of staff, like, you know, just people that she's done a lot of this work with, she's going to have on the podcast, but this was for episode one with Barack and yeah. You can go into the wildness that you know. Yeah, so we'll play a clip. Um, I actually was going to pull a clip up, but I I saw a um, a tweet from somebody that took a clip of that first episode completely out of context. Um, and you already know what happens on social media is people don't take the time to read or listen to what's shared and just decide to just go off based on the words above and form their own opinion and create a group thing. Yeah. Um, so you'll hear in, a, in this, this clip where Michelle makes mention of, and she says this opening, opening it up by jokingly saying this statement. Um, and this statement was taken out of complete context and was were, said that this podcast was extremely smug <laughs> um, from that, uh, there's another uh, person on Twitter that's active that retweeted this tweet and ran with it even further. Um, and I'm 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 not sure that this individual even listened to this clip based on the <laughs> comment and the retweet. And then once again, you have more people that obviously aren't listening to this um and just kind of just going off with some inaccuracies and there were some people in the comments including myself that said this was taken completely out of context um and also really what they're talking about is they're identifying a flaw in the system mm -hmm. um and we'll, we'll hear about that in this clip um so you can go ahead and, and play that ash all right and I agree in terms of the hope that I feel when I look at young people, just how they were raised, the values, their exposure, the questions that they have, the change in the economy that's forcing them to ask a certain set of questions. That gives me hope. But the thing that I worry is that I hear, I think, too many young people who question whether voting, whether politics is worth it. Well, partly because they have been told, the message is sent to me every day that government doesn't work. You know, they take for granted all the things that a working government has done in the past. And in some ways, we're still living on the investment that was made by that greatest generation. I always joke that, you know, and I said this about, um, you know, one of the challenges of being president is like, you don't have a marketing budget, you know? There's really no structure to market government, right? I mean, the average young person knows far more about the cereal they're eating and the car they're driving than they do about what government actually does for them because they don't have a marketing budget. The there isn't a jingle, you know? The only time they know about what the government's doing is it's when, when it's it doesn't going. work. Right. So we're so, getting a good lesson in that right now. Exactly. If people are paying attention and they understand what's missing, right. not having a, you know, a public health system uh, that takes care of people, whether you're working or not, um, that takes care of you, whether you have pre-existing conditions or not, um, unemployment, 
um, social security, you know, all of the things that sort of keep people going when the chosen path doesn't work. And, um, and, and, and I think you're absolutely right. That the danger for this generation is that they become too deeply cynical in government, not understanding that all government is, is us collectively making decisions together. Yo, so the tweet, the tweet, if you can go back, because I want to read the tweet oh. that, that, that was stated, that was attached to a tweet, and they said that that was the smuggest podcast that they ever heard. So this tweet says, Michelle, Barack and Michelle suggest young people don't vote because they're selfish and know more about the cereal they're eating than how government works. This podcast is the smuggest thing I've ever heard. Like, they didn't say selfish. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't say that. Yo, they didn't say that. And that's the danger of people just hitting hearts and retweeting without going back and just watching a clip, not even a full episode, but the whole clip, right? And then, like I said, for no name to retweet this from this person who I don't even know who they are, but for no name to retweet that. And to, to inflamably go in and talk about what young people are doing for the past two weeks, I mean, past two months, and our government work. I'm not even sure if she took that two and a half minutes to even watch that clip mm-hmm. because you would know that they were trying to expose the flaw that the fact that government isn't marketed, right? Mm-hmm. And like, let's talk about that. Let's talk about obviously people having attempted to shine a light on what government does or how government works and yeah. why is that. Because when you keep people confused, they don't ask the right questions to the right people, and you can just do whatever and slip and slide whatever in that you want in legislation and policies and et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a good question. Why isn't there a marketing budget for government? Why isn't there a, the more you know for government, right? Because it's- we know that the lack of information, it causes us to not engage. And then when all you see, like, like I love Obama shade because Obama shades like nobody, like, especially as a man, he was like, like we're seeing now, like this is the perfect example of how government doesn't work. I was like, right. hmm. yep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I I always tell people when we talk about voting and why our votes matter, we still have yet to see an election where the majority of people who live in this country are voting. Mm. So if we're not getting, you know, even in Wilkinsburg, you know, people, people run for office here and they feel like they're big shit after they won. And it's like, I mean, you all right, but there's 16,000 residents here and you only got 2000 people to show up to vote. That ain't nothing. They don't represent this community. It represents who showed up to vote, but it doesn't represent the community. And you clearly aren't, you know, and this goes for me too. Like I'm clearly not doing enough because I still can't get more people to want to come out. And so as elected, people who are elected, if you don't have that mindset or that concept for engaging constituents and the people that live in the community, you know, Summer Lee, and y'all know, I'm always going to use Summer Lee because Summer Lee is about that life. Um, she increased voter turnout. I think she had like a... 56%? Yeah. Over 56? half. Now that yeah. is a representation of the community. Like mm-hmm. more than half. 
increasing voter turnout, increasing voter engagement, actually showing people that, you know what, y'all, we can do this, but we have to do it together. It's not one person. Even with Summer being the leader that she is, she don't do it on her own and she won't tell you that. It's always a we thing, an us thing, all of us together because mm -hmm. that's that's how you change. Power to the people. Like Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, Brock and Michelle were not being smug. People get so mad too. I feel like and I don't know who that person was, like you said, that, you know, retweeted that, but we also got to understand people don't like hearing black people talk about stuff in a way like people That's just true. like, like to, especially to use the word smug, like smug. Yo, that's what I'm They're saying. Smug. Like the people that made the White House the people's house, the people who literally kept the doors to the White House open for the past eight years when they were in office, like granted, I never made it, but damn, like mm -hmm. smug. Yeah, that's just like and that's on your whole twitter right now with people retweeting it and, and you can't get that back and my thing is is you're you're representing another democratic uh former presidential candidate in your name and that's how you're carrying on like i think that once again i paint a negative light on that person that you've been trying to campaign for like it's bad money all around mm. you know and then for somebody that's an educator or coins themselves as being, you know what I mean, a, a sort of educator for you to not do the knowledge and to reshare that, that's dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Especially in a, in a presidential election year when we're 13 weeks away. That's very dangerous for you to, for you to have that rhetoric and not really see what you're retweeting and you're sharing. Um, so be careful what you're sharing, what you retweet, man, because a lot will pay attention to what you post up, whether you realize it or not. And a lot of people are, are, are very impressionable about their votes nowadays and whether they're going to vote or not. Um, so, yeah, I had to bring that up. I had to speak on that because that, that didn't sit right well with me. Didn't sit, that didn't sit well with me when I saw that earlier today. So I wanted to make sure we discussed that. Um, I definitely made some comments. I haven't gotten replies back from the authors. Mm -hmm. of the I liked it, though. I, when you sent yeah. the tweet, I was like, let me go yeah. look at this. And I saw your tweet in the thread, and I was like, like. Like, yeah, oh so I, I doubt I'll hear back, but you know, I mean, I had to say my piece real quick. Yeah, because um, people read, people yeah. like me read those comments, and you know, yeah, you can't win them all, but um, <sighs> y'all, we gotta change this, we gotta change what's going on right now. Yeah, we do, and it starts, it starts, um, in November, but um. One thing I do want to touch on real quick um, is we were supposed to know who the Democratic vice president, presidential candidate was supposed to be by now. I thought so. Um, we were I supposed to know on though. the first. Yeah, we were supposed to know on the first, and then it was the first week. So now we're halfway through almost the first week, and I read an article with somebody saying, like, it's not fair to, to all these women that the vetting process is taking this long and they can't say anything about anything right now and they just got to sit and wait you know and i agree like man this is a, a impactful time and for people to have to not really be able to do things or say things or or be present here or, or whatever is a lot and um 
I'm going to say this, yo, because if this happens, you heard it here first. Don't let all of this shit have happened for him to pick Elizabeth Warren. Let me say it again for y'all. Don't let all of this vetting, extended vetting, additional vetting, <laughs> bonus vetting happen, and he picks Elizabeth Warren. As so I, I read his women's agenda, part of it, because it was 23 pages, so I, I didn't get through all of it. But I read a good bit of it. And when I got to the point of, um, he mentioned his Supreme Court justice, um, first pick would be a black woman. I, a part of me thinks he's going to pick Elizabeth. Um, I'm not mad at it because I do know that Elizabeth has a, if he won't pick a white woman, it gotta be Elizabeth. I'm gonna just put it to you like that. But all of this talk and conversation, um, granted it hasn't come from him directly, but just like, you know, the think piece articles and the, you know, all the things about how black women carry the democratic party and, you know, uh, the least the democratic party could do was, you know, pick a black woman. Cause there's more than enough qualified black women to be, um, vice president and also to potentially be our first woman president. Cause I am, I am team. Our first woman president needs to be a black woman, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure other people may agree, but I, I do think when we get a, a first woman president, it should be a black woman. And I just, that's how I feel. Um, so I, and what did I, what was I watching? I think this might've been on Joy and Reed's new, um, evening show. And she had guests on there talking about VP, the VP candidate potential. And so, you know, Susan Rice, um, Kamala Harris, and oh, I can't think of the other black woman's name. She's another congresswoman. Val Demings. Val, but it wasn't Val. It was somebody else. I can't think of her name, and I feel bad. But... um the the panelist there was one black woman and she said Elizabeth Warren. You know I've had conversations with some people that do want Elizabeth. Um, I'm just not sure what that. I don't know. Elizabeth will get black women. I do know that. I don't know about black men, but I know she'll get black women. And this is this is my issue with this. I, I, I like Elizabeth Warren. Um, I liked her as a possible candidate for president. Um, so I, I would appreciate her as vice president. My issue comes with this time. Black people are already leery about Joe Biden time and time again, based on the old videos in the, in the 80s and the early 90s about what he said on Congress Hill, or the old picture in the 70s about him saying what well, he knows what's good for the Negro. All the other sussy stuff with him looking like a pedophile, having his hands on girls on speech on C-SPAN when her parents were being recognized, and then now the whole "you ain't black" thing, all of this stuff for you to go and say to the country, to black people, that you were going to pick a woman of color, a black woman, to be your vice president, and then you don't pick a 
black woman to be vice president, you're going to lose some votes. Yeah. You're going you're going to make some people go vote for fucking Kanye West. And you're going to make some people write in Mike Tyson or Hennessy again like they did in 2016. They're going they're going to write Corona in. That's what they're going to do. Oh my lord. And but and but he has to be thinking about that as well, right? Cuz maybe you put your foot in your mouth and you shouldn't have said this shit. Maybe you could have just stuck at, you know what I'm saying, who you were going to vet or who you were thinking about. But maybe you shouldn't have said that like that. Because if you don't pick a woman, a black woman of color, you're going to lose some votes. You're definitely losing some votes for some black men. You're going to lose some votes for some other people, too. Yeah. Right? Because you can't, you can't come out and say you're going to do something like that in a time like this. And then just bait and switch real quick. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to lose a lot of trust, a lot of votes in that. So I hope that there, I hope this camp is thinking about that as they make a decision because there's only a couple of days left in this week. So we definitely have to see what's up. Okay, and it is the fourth. Um, yeah. So I I like Susan Rice. Mm-hmm. I've been seeing her on some shows. Um, I like Kamala personally. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Kamala, I would love to see a VP debate with her. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I also, um, I like Val Demings, too. Yeah, I like Val Demings. with her um, background as the police chief um, in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And um, Florida's got some powerful black women in their um, state legislature too. So I, I just Florida does definitely produces some great um, elected mm-hmm. state state level and clearly federal too. Um, so yeah, I I don't have one that I'm stuck on, but I also am not. I won't be upset at any one of the black women that have been presented because they all, in my opinion, have the qualifications to do the job. And I want to see Mike Pence get like, just pounce. Uh, he's going get, yeah, he's going to get served, gathered and served. And I don't know if Elizabeth can do it like a black woman would. Yeah. Nah, she could, and she had some. She had some zingers with her, but it wouldn't be the same. Though. It wouldn't be the same, cause it that was the, the issue I had talked with a, a good friend of mine about. Who she's, you know, she was Team Elizabeth, and I, I was here for it. Um, but I told her I was like, it's just something about Elizabeth that she can't. It's like some people got it, and some don't. Like in a sense of like galvanizing the people, mm-hmm. and like. It just, I don't know. I don't know what right. it is. But, but what I appreciated about Elizabeth through her campaign is she listened. She, that woman listens. Um, and so I, I appreciated that. But uh, the black women, he could pick any one of them. I don't even care. Pick one. Because they all good. Joe, if you listen to this, if your team listens to black political millennials, pick a black woman. Right. And that's that on that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and on that note, too, as we talk about black women, um, 60 black women are running for office because black women are out here uh, doing Congress, it. Congress, it's a record number for, for Congress. Um, 
close to 60. Yes. That's very dope. It's very dope. Yeah. This is, yeah, because this was from, this was an NBC News um, article. And what is it? Black women are 8% of the U.S. population, but 4.3% of Congress. Got to change that. Our, our Congress needs to reflect our country. Um, so it's too many to name because we don't even got all the names, but Black women are out here. Google them. Uh, 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 Trayvon Martin's mom is running in Florida. Um, I also know a woman, Tashara Jones, out of St. Louis, who is running for re-election for state treasurer. She is dope. Her election may have passed. I don't even know. I'm not sure what day it was when, or what their election day is, but um, she's dope. Uh, so I always said, trust Black women, elect Black women, and protect Black women. And on that note of protect Black women, protect Black women. I don't care. Right, wrong, and different. Protect them. Check them behind the scenes, y'all. That's how I feel. Because we ain't really protecting Black women the way we say it when we want to post these hashtags and when we want to make these statuses. We really not, we not holding true to that on our end. So I just want to reiterate that. Um... What else? So since we talk about Black women, we also want to bring up and lift up Breonna Taylor. Arrest Breonna Taylor's murderers. The fact that we're still asking for this is disgusting. Like, I am just, it is sickening. Um, And Oprah. Oprah put Breonna Taylor on the September cover for the O magazine. This is, Oprah has never not been on the cover of her magazine. And they are about to actually change, I want to say at the end of this year, I think it's going, the magazine is going to go to quarterly. So there won't be a monthly magazine anymore. And for her to put Brianna on that cover, um, it you know, and we know Oprah's demographics. We know who who follows Oprah, white women. So, um, arrest Bri- arrest Breonna Taylor's murderers. There's just nothing else to say. Um, and um, damn, that gets that just gets me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they done passed a law that what the police officers did shouldn't have never happened, but y'all still ain't yeah. arrest them? No. It's shameful for real. Um, it's highly upsetting. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Oprah decided to do that um, and put Breonna Space on that, on that magazine cover because what we can't allow to happen is for this, for, for her case or her name or her face. Yeah to just fade away through the news cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that so many other black women that have been killed by police rotate through a news cycle, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and her doing that and it being out in September continues that into a new season, into a new quarter. 
and keeps that fresh in people's minds that we still have to demand that justice for Brianna. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we have to continue to have that conversation about the whole thing with um, swatting and about all of these warrants to the wrong address and the way that these warrants are served and all of this. All of these things have to be discussed. All these things have to be parts of, of discussions moving forward with the local departments. Um, yeah, so we can't just let this fade away as the summer fades away um, and the next thing distracts me. So I, I know people are mad at Oprah. My people will be mad at Oprah. I mean, there's some things I disagree with her about as well. Yeah. I, I, I respect her for this thing. Yeah, no, I ain't nobody perfect at in any way, shape, or form. And this again goes back to my statement: <laughs> protect black women because Oprah's life. That woman been through some shit, and so I just, um, I don't know her personally, so. I can't judge someone on things that I can't talk to them directly about. That's between them and God. And so um, I have just always had a respect for Oprah, her work, her journalistic um, integrity. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that is, that is a hard business to be in as a black woman, especially at her age and everything that she's gone through. Um, I could talk for days about my personal experience with local media, television stations, all of that. Um, The things that people have said to me, you would probably be like, well, goddamn. So uh, that was a big, that was a big salute from Oprah. And it ain't all, it ain't all that's needed, you know, but um, I just wanted to lift up Brianna's name because I don't even think we've um, really touched back into this with everything else going on. So I just felt like here we are, episode 15, still asking y'all to sign these petitions, y'all call the governor, the attorney general, the mayor of, they are in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find them. So there's that. And gosh, man, there's so much going on. I hope y'all, anyone, whoever's still listening to us, on this episode we appreciate y'all because this stuff be gets deep and i think the one thing this this census deadline right yeah we want to definitely highlight uh the fact that the 2020 census deadline has been moved up um what is it from late october to late yeah, from october september. 31st to september what's the last day of september I'm the worst with how many days are in a month. I think it might be like 30. I think it's 32. And I'm a September baby. Yeah, the 30th. So, yeah, September 30th is the census deadline. And, y'all, we cannot afford to not get these census uh, completed. So go online. It literally takes less than 10 minutes. There are billions of dollars at stake for our communities and if we do not do the census this money will not go to the areas that it is needed in um so let me see so the the numbers are roughly four out of ten households nationwide have yet to be counted 
Um, and of course, the coronavirus pandemic has been a part of those delays. Um, but we have two months to reach our most marginalized communities. You know, I'm sure there are still people who are afraid to fill out the census, but we have got to like do our best to get these um, this information in um, for the Census Bureau because we the next one is 2030, y'all. We're gonna be in our forties when that when that come around. It's gonna be a whole it's gonna be a whole new world ten years from now. So Yo, it's gonna be a whole new world. Mm-hmm. Like for real. Mm-hmm. Like for real, for real. So yeah, this is really important. Um and we'll definitely make sure we touch on that and we talk about that um more often. Yes. And we uh you know we want y'all to know that i know there's been a lot of things online about the pandemic and i know we are all tired of um dealing with it but just because we're tired of it it don't mean we can just you know uh it don't mean that we can just uh ignore it and act like it ain't gonna be here it is here and so we need everyone right. to take note. All right, y'all? Here we go. Take note. I can't believe I have to sing this song. Why do I even have to sing a song like this? Where your man? Where your man? Oh, it's your man. Jennifer Lewis in there to give us a little laughter. Um, so yeah. Uh, also yeah. wanted to give a shout out on this episode because we just this whole presidential campaign locally. We got Kiva Clark and Nikki Lou um, who are going to be working in uh, our region for the Joe Biden campaign. Um, shout out That's to them. Yeah. Absolutely. That's major. Shout both y'all out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, that's dope to see people that you know be able to make moves like that. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited. I am too. I am too. And he chose two women that are really connected in our region um, and doing the work. And uh, I, I respect it. So, you know, somebody's got to do it. And I don't think there's anyone better here that could take that on. So I'm super um, proud of them. And uh, however I know I can support them, I will do so. That's definitely like same here but uh before we get out of here make sure you follow us on twitter instagram facebook black political millennials um and you can hit us up via email at bpmpodcast412 at gmail.com that's uh bpmpodcast412 at gmail.com uh yeah check us out episode 15 check out the first 14 episodes on uh the apple podcast we will play music uh you can also find us on anchor.fm shout out to our uh supporters our financial supporters that uh logged on to anchor and support us for a month we appreciate Mm y'all and um we want to make sure that we send y'all something special at the end of the year thank y'all for supporting bpm um mm-hmm. but we're still looking for for sponsors and support you can find that link on our uh, instagram page and facebook uh, and facebook black political millennials mm-hmm. um but yeah we're defecto thank you for listening in. wear your mask be safe and uh make sure that you and all your people is registered to vote yeah. yep all of that Yo. Peace. Peace out.